This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. If you would wake me up at the middle, in the middle of the night, you would shake me awake and say, what are you going to preach about? I'll shout, revival! <laughs> well, this is my favorite go-to topic, revival. And I want to, today I want to share a little bit about a hunger for revival. I want to stir you to pursue revival with us and give you a bit of, share a few stories to stir your faith of what is possible in God. I love the statement by Daniel Kalinda, where he says, the greatest danger the world faces is not radical Islam, but nominal Christianity. And you can replace radical Islam with anything else. Any problem, any crisis, any issue, any threat, there are no threats. The, the biggest threat is nominal Christianity. In other words, the problem is a church lacking the fire of the Holy Spirit. Oh man, I just want Stephen to come up again and just come and sing that again. Fire in my bones. We need a fire in our bones. We need, we need the, the, the fire of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That, that is what the world needs. A church lacking the fire of the Holy Spirit has nothing to offer. We have nothing to offer. And so I believe God is wanting to release revival fire. And it begins with us. It begins with you. It begins with me having an encounter with God. And that moves us into another space where we can actually make a difference to this world. And so at uh, the pastor's summit that we had, one of the ladies, um, uh, Jolene Wade, who's the, her husband is the senior pastor of Shofar Franchuk in Cape Town. And so in March 2019, we went to Franchuk with a team and we ministered there and it was an incredible week. And God showed up that Sunday night was one of the most profound meetings I've ever been a part of where God showed up in unbelievable ways, but it brought a shift in their lives. And so Jolene shared this past Wednesday night, she shared that the following month in April, 2019, she read a book called Defining Moments. And the book is simply stories of men and women who had an encounter with God and how it radically transformed them and ultimately how their world was changed because of that original encounter with God. And so it stirred in her such a hunger, such a hunger. She said she was, I mean, it's, I would call it, she was, she's like, she's obsessed. She became obsessed with God surely they must be more than this. They must be more than what we're currently experiencing. And she says that over the next season, as she was pursuing more of God, it actually brought strain upon her relationship with her husband because she was so on a mission for the more. And as she was sharing this on Wednesday night, I was like, 
I know that. <laughs> I know that hunger. I experienced it in 2012. I experienced it at other times. That is absolutely consumes you. That you're like, God, there must be more. There must be more. God, there must be more. And that moves you. It's like a, a fire within you that moves you forward into the fullness of God to pursue the more of God. And so in her case, she says, I think over the next year, year and a half, she was pursuing God. And then she was on a, a, a Zoom call with an international ministry, I think where she received some ministry. And then after the Zoom call, she says she, I'm not exactly sure how it played out, but what it came down to was either she was lying on the floor or lying somewhere, but she had an encounter with God. She says for an hour and a half, she felt like electricity flooding through her body. She said it was uncomfortable. It was not a nice experience. But when she, like for an hour and a half, she felt like the, the presence and the power of God, like raw power just flooding through her being. And she says when she got up from the ground, she was different. She says the next time she prayed for people, there was the, she says the, the doubting was gone. The unbelief was gone. I tell you, I have experienced that as well. That change after the encounter with the living God is like suddenly, it's like God's faith in us to see his kingdom come. There's something in the encounter. And you see, because our culture, our churchianity has lost the original revival fire that we've seen in the scriptures, we, it has become normal for us to have very little. And we think this is normal. This is not normal. It is not normal what we're experiencing in the wider body of Christ. And I believe God is starting to stir revival fires all across the earth. He's stirring revival fires all across the earth. And I believe that's what he wants to do here as well. Revival is what we are called to. Revival is what God is calling us into. But it begins with a hunger, a desire that surely there must be more. Surely there must be more. And that hunger moves us into an encounter where we are changed. So at, at Kingdom Unleashed Conference, I haven't seen as many miracles in one weekend in East London as that weekend. There's so many testimonies. I mean, for those who were here two weeks ago, I mean, for 20, 30 minutes, we were just sharing. People were just coming to share stories of what God did in them here in the second service. Oh, it's, it's incredible. We have not seen that in the 14 years that we've been here. There is an increase that God is doing right now. Amen. May we have the person doing the church news like JP did more often tell us when it's like, hello, welcome, welcome in the second service. Instead of saying welcome morning, it's like welcome to the evening service because God is moving. Because God is moving, because God is changing lives. And so I want to call us into, into that place. I want to share a few stories this morning to give you a bit of context of what revival looks like and how God and what in God encounters look like so that it might stir that hunger in us. So Smith Wigglesworth, who uh, was a revivalist, someone that would, wherever he would go, he would release revival. Because sometimes people think revival is we pray for 50 years and we see nothing, and then we see something. 
No, revival is right now. Revival is right now. This is what we see. Wherever we go, we see the kingdom come. And Smith Wigglesworth was like that. So one of the statements he said is, he said, dare to believe, then command. Realize what you carry and release it. So in his meetings, he would literally ask, okay, like is a, a, a whole packed with people. He would ask, who's got the worst condition in the house? Come forward. And then they would be healed. And then the kingdom would come. Revival would break out. So revival is not just praying for 50 years for something to happen. Revival is now. Amen? It's now. You must just have an encounter with God, changes your life, and then you can step into the more. And so Smith Wigglesworth had this prophecy in 1939 where he said, he prophesied to Lester Sumrall about the final wave of God's glory. And he said, after that, after the third wave, he started sobbing. And I said, I see the last day revival that's going to usher in the precious fruit of the earth. It will be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. It's going to be a wave of the gifts of the spirit. The ministry gifts will be flowing on this planet earth. I see hospitals being emptied out. And they will bring the sick to churches where they allow the Holy Ghost to move. I'm like, I want to be part of that, Jesus. I want to be part of I want to be part of the church that allows the Holy Ghost to move. I want to be part of the church that say, take the sick to that place because God is there. And he's with those people. And I believe that is what God is calling us into. But you need to hunger for it. You need to desire it. You need to say, God, move us into the more. And obviously, ultimately, it's the sovereign work of God. It is God releasing more grace. But he's saying, hey, come, partner with me. Partner with me. Be hungry for the more. We are called to revival. We call to revival. We carry the spirit of revival, which the Lord has said to me, it's the fivefold rivers flowing together as one. That is the spirit of revival, the fullness of Christ being released. And so every testimony is an invitation for us to experience the more of God. So here's an example to give you some context of revivals of the past. Evan Roberts, he was a Welshman, a young man. I think he was in his early 20s, 1904 to 1906, an incredible move of God that was released through him. And he said, it will not do for us to go to heaven by ourselves. We must be on fire. Come on, say fire. Amen. Friends for saving others. Revival is never about us. It's always about those in God's heart. To be workers that will draw heaven down and will draw others to heaven. You see the same theme in those who pursue revival. That same theme, a heart for others and a desire to bring heaven down. So that people can encounter the living God. So in 1904 to 1906, he had a, Evan Roberts had an incredible encounter with God. A hundred thousand People came to Christ in, in Wales, and there was an incredible move of the Spirit that started there, and then it spread to the nations. It launched Azusa Street in Los Angeles, and then ultimately grew to a movement of 600 million people today, which we are part of, the Spirit-filled, charismatic movement. 
where the gifts of the Spirit have, have been restored. And we are part of that. And so in an interview with Evan Roberts, he shares the story. He says, for a long, long time, I was much troubled in my soul and my heart by thinking over the failure of Christianity. So he was looking around and saying, God, surely this can't be it. There needs to be this discontent. Like surely there must be more. Surely this can't be it. As we're looking at the wider body of Christ, God, move us. And so he had this discontent. But he says, but that night, after I'd been in great distress, praying about this, because that's how a revivalist response, we do not complain. We take it on our knees to the Lord. Say, God, come on, do it again. You've done it over the ages. You've done it over the centuries. God, do it again. He says, I went to sleep and at 1 a.m. in the morning, suddenly I was wakened up and found myself with unspeakable joy and awe in the very presence of the almighty God. Come on. I want this. And for the space of four hours, I was privileged to speak face to face with him. As a man speaks face to face with a friend. At 5 a.m., it seemed to me as if I again returned to earth. And it was not only that morning, but every morning for three or four months. I felt it, and it seemed to change all my nature. That's the key. It's when you and I encounter God that we are changed. The unbelief is removed. The doubts and fears are removed. It's like in my life over the last year, the Lord has transformed me. I have never been this free from the fear of man. I've never been this bold. I've had moments in the past, but what I have experienced over the last year in my, in my 20 plus years of ministry, I've never experienced this measure of boldness. And it's all because of the encounter with Jesus. And so God wants to bring you into that. He wants you to encounter more of him, to set you free from the doubt and the fear and the unbelief and the lies of the enemy and the brokenness of your soul so that he can make you whole and so that lives can be changed through you. Revival always starts with us and then it can move to the wider community. And he says, it felt, I felt it and it seemed to change all my nature. And I saw things in a different light because that's what happens. You encounter God, suddenly everything seems different. And I knew that God was going to work in the land and not in this land only, but in all the world. Because when you encounter him, suddenly you see what he is doing. And that's what I'm feeling God is saying to me. He's saying this that you are busy with right now, it is Bigger than what you can imagine. This is what God wants to do in us and through us. It's bigger than what we're thinking. But when you encounter him, then you see it. And when you see it, then you can move into it. And so I want to call us into that more. And so we see this with Moses, the man of God who had this face-to-face encounter with the Lord as well. In Exodus 33, Pastor Rassi, two weeks ago, touched on this passage. I do want to highlight something else. It says in verse 17, So the Lord said to Moses, 
I will also do this thing that you've spoken. So Moses was saying, God, we don't want to go into the promised land without you. Do you know what is the promised land? It's him. He is the promised land. Heaven is heaven because God's there. Because it's him. He is the ultimate desire. He is the desire of the nations. He is the fire that burns within us. God, we desire you. And so Moses tasted that. Moses knew that. God, there is no life outside of you. Please, not just an angel. God, we want you. We want your presence. God, we want to experience your, your presence like we worship this morning. And more. And so the Lord says, I will do this thing that you've spoken for you found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. He knows you. He knows you by name. He calls you by name. He knows you intimately, your every fear, your every doubt, your every challenge, your every bit of brokenness, your everything. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you. And he says, come, I've called you. I've called you to partner with me. I've called you to step into the more. Come on, say it. He knows me. Come on, he's, say it. He calls me by name. He does. He does. He's for you. And then Moses prays this crazy prayer that I believe is part of every heart's cry of every revivalist. And he said, Please show me your glory. He's face to face with God. And he's saying, God, there's more. Show me your glory. I want more. There's no end of the glory of God. There's no end to his beauty. There's no end to his love. There's no end to his kindness. There's no end to his majesty. And Moses saying, Lord, show me more. That's Hunger. That is hunger. And then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So God, so, so Moses saying, Lord, show me your glory. Show me the more. And God shows him his goodness. The foundation of revival is his goodness. He is so good. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I mean, imagine this for a moment. The most incredible setting you can dream up. Tropical island. On the beach, perfect weather. And there's a feast laid out for you. The best, most delicious delicacies the world has ever seen or known, it's all is there for you with servants coming to feed you. Hallelujah. If you are a surfer, then by the way, in between you, the feast, you took some incredible waves that just blows your mind. And you're enjoying the setting. It's like, it's like you, you, you're experiencing with the love of your life right there with you on this incredible setting. Then you win the World Cup final, whatever is your favorite 
soccer, rugby, heck, let's throw F1 in there as well. You win. Greatest achievement the world can, can give you. you. You get that gold medal around your neck. You're like, yeah, the crowd's going, yeah. Then they phone you. Sir, we've got good news. You have actually literally just won the UK lottery. Pounds, baby. Pounds. Hallelujah. And then you realize as you look around, you see a hundred meters away is the biggest mall the world has ever seen. 5,000 plus shops of the best of the best, and you just won the UK lottery, it is down on your card, you can go shop. All the ladies are like, yes! Woo-hoo! This is a good story. And add whatever you can add, the best, the most exhilarating, most wonderful experiences this world can offer you. God is more. God is more. God is more. When you encounter him, he is more. He is heaven. He is the source of all peace and joy and rest for your soul. He is the one that gives you purpose and identity. He is the one that brings meaning to our lives. He is. Nothing compares. Nothing compares. But it's in the encounter that you discover then. Otherwise, you're always on the outside, on the fringes, in the dark, like, oh, what's this guy getting excited about? If you you don't know what I'm getting excited about, you haven't had an encounter. (laughs) Amen? There's an encounter with a living God that rocks your world and removes every block and every veil until you see him and only him and you realize he is it. And Moses knew, God, you're it. Show me more. I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for more. And so God is wanting to call us into it. He is the lover of our souls. He is so good that nothing compares to him. The foundation of revival is he, his goodness, his goodness. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Another awesome story, John G. Lake, a man who hungered for more of God. A man, an American in the early 1900s that came to South Africa and rocked our nation. More than a million people came to Christ. 600 plus churches were established through this one man. But it started for him with the hunger for the more. And so here's a bit of his story. He says, one afternoon in a, a fellow minister asked Lake to accompany him. To the home of a woman who had requested prayers for healing. For 10 years, this woman had been in a wheelchair because of inflammatory rheumatism. Imagine that, 10 years in a wheelchair. As his friend spoke with a lady to prepare her for prayer, Lake sat across the large room in a low chair. And there he had a powerful encounter with God. He says again, Listen to this. My soul was crying out to God in a yearning too deep for words. I'm like, I know that hunger. 
I know that hunger. A yearning too deep for words when suddenly it seemed to me that I had passed under a shower of warm tropical rain, which was not falling upon me, but through me. My spirit and soul and body under this influence was soothed into such a deep, still calm as I'd never known. My brain, which had always been so active, became perfectly still. An awe of the presence of God settled over me. I knew it was God. Some moments passed. I do not know how many. And the Spirit said, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. You are now baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oh, those moments when you have been hungry and you have been crying out to God. And then the Lord says, yes, now it's yours. It's yours. Then currents of power began to rush through my being from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. The shocks of power increased in rapidity and voltage. As these currents of power would pass through me, they seemed to come upon my head, rush through my body and through my feet into the floor. The power was so great that my body began to vibrate intensely. So that I believe if I had not been sitting in such a deep low chair, I might have fallen upon the floor. At that point, his friend, not noticing the state he was in, invited Lake to come to help him pray. Lake could hardly walk. He was trembling so violently. While his friend continued to kneel down in front of the woman's wheelchair, Lake simply touched her head lightly. And he felt currents of holy power pass through his body. He knew she felt it too, even though she didn't say anything. You might think, is, is that biblical? Well, we know when Jesus walking through the crowd, the woman with the flow of blood came from behind and just touched him and said he felt power course through his body. My friend who had been talking to her in his great earnestness had been kneeling as he talked to her. He arose saying, let us pray that the Lord will now heal you. As he did so, he took her by the hand at that instant there, that their hands touched a flash of dynamic power went through my person, through the sick woman. And as my friend held her hand, the shock of power went through her hand into him. The rush of power into his person was so great that it caused him to fall on the floor. Oh, beautiful. Who says ministry is boring? And again, you might say, is that biblical? Well, we know when, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers came to uh, arrest him, uh, to, to take him to trial just before the crucifixion. They were asking, are you him? Are you, are you Jesus? And when he said, I am he, the scriptures say they all fell down to the ground as the power of God was released. Just when he said, I am, I am. Our God is the almighty. And it says, and it continues the story. He looked up at me with joy and surprise and springing to his feet. He said, praise the Lord, John. Jesus has baptized you in the Holy Ghost. Then he took the crippled hand that had been set so for many years. The clenched hands opened. The joints began to work. First the fingers, then the hand and the wrist, then the elbow and the shoulder. And then she was fully healed. Amen. The glory of God. Being revealed in that moment. It's been said that miracles, it's God's, it's heaven's love language. He loves us so much. He wants to do miracles. 
And so this lady's life was transformed. But John G. Lake had this encounter with God. And after that, he started to move in signs and wonders, came to South Africa. The Achies AFM church was birthed out of his ministry. And another church group was also birthed out of his ministry. And a massive impact on our country as revival was released through his life. He was forever changed. Amen. In the encounter, the hunger, then the encounter, and then the kingdom comes. But we need that encounter. But before the encounter, we need the hunger. But there's this trap, this danger when it comes to the hunger. And I have experienced this, where you become so hungry and so desperate and so frustrated because you're not seeing what you want to see, that it actually leads you into a bad space. And I've experienced that over the last 10 years at times. I just became so frustrated. Like, God, why were you not seeing it? And now we're starting to see it more than ever before. But there's a key. You need to be hungry, but you also need to be thankful. You need to be thankful for what is. You need to be thankful for what you have. You need to be thankful for what God is already doing if you want to step into all that God has for you. So thankfulness gives us eyes to see the goodness of God. There's the danger of hunger that you become so frustrated that you can't see the good anymore. And so we need to see. We need to get eyes to see. We need, there are times that we need to stop and we just need to look back and thank God for everything he's doing. And then we can push forward again. And then we look back and then we celebrate all that he's doing. And then we stop and we thank God for what he's doing in our, in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our relationships. All the good that he's poured into us. And then we can say, okay, now let's go for the more again. So you can see this in, in this passage in Exodus 33 verse 21. Where it says, and the Lord said, here is a place by me. Here's a place. Here's a position. And you shall stand on the rock. And my goodness will pass by you. So he's asking for the more. He's asking for the glory. He's asking for, 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 for all that's available in God. And then the Lord reveals his goodness. And then he says, here's a place on the rock where you need to stand. And on this rock, you will then experience my goodness. So if you and I want to step into the more, you first need to stand on the rock. That rock is his goodness. That rock is a place of thanksgiving. That rock is like, oh my goodness, God, you have blessed me so much. You've blessed us so much. You've done so much. Lord, I'm remembering. I'm being reminded of this. I am sharing again. How thankful are you? Oh, you just caught up in complaining and negativity and pity partying and fault finding because that's quite easy. It's quite easy to fall into that. How hungry are you for the more? How hungry are you for the more? Or are you just passive? Distracted, disillusioned. Or are you hungry for the more? Is your faith being unlocked to step into the more, but from a place of wholehearted thanksgiving, just in awe? In awe of who he is. I love the song that uh, Stephen brought in the previous service. I think we can do it again later. 
But the song that says, may we never lose the wonder. May we never lose the wonder of who he is and what he has already done. May we never lose our childlikeness. May we never lose our wonder. God, restore that to us, that we may stand on the rock and then we can step into the mall. May we never lose the wonder of the, the person sitting next to you today, a spouse or a friend or a loved one. May we never find ourselves in the place where we just find ourselves irritated and frustrated and angry about things. It's so easy to fall into that. To be irritated with the people around you because you're so complaining, negative, looking all the negatives of life. When you should be, wow, thank you, God, for this person in my life. God, thank you for my spouse. or Thank you, God, for my child. God, thank you for the gift of life. Thank you, Lord, that my name is written in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, say thank you, Jesus. May we never lose the wonder of how he's already blessed us with so much. And then we say, God, thank you, but there's more. (laughs) Let's go for the more. We're not going to be complacent. We're not going to stop there, but we do need to stop and celebrate those around us. Remind ourselves of how blessed we are. Are you aware of how blessed you are? Are you aware of how much God has poured out into your life? Are you in awe of him? It's the key. And so we see this in Psalm 105. David, King David, he was a revivalist. He was, he brought, this psalm was sung when they brought back the tabernacle, when they brought back the glory, when they brought back the presence of God to Israel. And, and, it, and, it, and it captures these two concepts. The one is hunger for more, the seeking of God, and yet thankful, so thankful. Verse 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Don't miss that. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him like we sang this morning. It was beautiful. I was just like, oh, God. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. There's nothing that compares to him. Seek him. Remember, verse 5, remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Remember his marvelous works. So on Wednesday evening, uh, one of our pastors, uh, Armour from Shofar George, he was facilitating the evening. He said, guys, to all the pastors, we're like a hundred of us. And uh, let's share what God has done in your life. So we were in small groups. Each one had to share something, some encounter that we had with God. And so in our group, one of the young, young ladies, I, th- I think she's in her 20s. She's in the ministry. 
uh, at Shofar Potch of Struim. And she shares when she was, she was in Christian school and in grade five, they, she and her friends, all of them together in their class, they had an encounter with Jesus. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Their lives were radically touched there. But then she said in high school, she lost her way. Then she became a student at Potch of Strum. She lost her way even further. And she found herself as drunk as a skunk in the back of a car. Somewhere as a student. And then she had drunk verdriet. Which is like feeling really sorry for herself. Drunk and like, oh, poor me. And then Jesus met her in the back of that car. Saying, hey, come back. That night she returned to Christ. Amen. God can meet you in the back of a car when you're as drunk as a skunk. And you feel that you are not worthy. Because you're not worthy. None of us are worthy. None of us deserve God or good enough. He calls you as we are. And another young man is the youth pastor at Shofar Wellington. Plays drums as well and leads worship. Wonderful Guy, also I think in his middle 20s or so, he shares the story when he was in grade 11. At that stage, he was in Jeffreys Bay. And for about five, six years, he's had a, a significant, very rare eye disease, but he was losing his sight. And the doctor said, we need to operate, but even if we operate, the per- percentage chance of success is very slim. Very big possibility you're going to go blind. So the Sunday night before the Monday, when he goes in for the op, he goes to a meeting where there's three, four hundred people, and there's a guy, I think the guy's name is Julian Adams, and uh, this man who's strong in the prophetic and healing, he calls out the eye disease, rare eye disease by name. He calls it out. And then he says, and you are sitting in this row, and he points to him out of 400 people. This young man, grade 11 young man, comes to the front. Stefan is his name. He comes to the front. Julian prays for him. The power of God hits him. He says he flies through the air, three rows back, like, power of God. He says next morning, they're driving from Jeffries to PE. And as they're driving, as he gets closer to PE, he reads the signs next to the road. And he says his eyesight is getting better. And his eyesight's getting better. And his eyesight's getting better. And he sits with a specialist in PE. And he does the test. And he shines a little light in his eyes. And the, and the specialist says, the disease is gone. Hallelujah. It's gone. And then they lead the specialist to Christ. Isn't that beautiful? The miracle is the sign that points to the one who is worthy. Of our worship. The one who is worthy of our surrender. Remember. Remember his marvelous works. Write them down. Share them with others. Remind yourself of what God has done in your life. Don't lose. Don't lose the wonder. Don't lose the wonder. Are you thankful? Are you hungry? And if you are complaining about our country. I'm going to take you to the Ivory Coast with me next time. You're going to come back flying back thankful. Thank you, Jesus. What a beautiful, perfect country, Jesus. 
Our infrastructure is wonderful, Lord. There's a long way that we can still fall. So we need revival, Jesus. We need revival to turn this around, that we may, may go higher again. Lord, do it again. Come on, say it. Lord, do it again. Bring revival to our land. Bring revival. Bring revival. It begins with you and me saying, God, surely there is more. Surely there is more. And the ultimate thing to be thankful for, the ultimate, is that your name is written in the book of life. My eternity is secure. How's yours? How's yours? Is your eternity secure? Have you, that is the ultimate victory, ultimate win, just to know him. Hallelujah. Hungry, but thankful. So I want to invite you over the next while, not this Thursday, but then after this Thursday, we, we have our prayer meetings on Thursday nights, and it's about God, we desire that more. I want to invite you to join us. I want to invite you to join us on this journey of pursuing the more, not settling for what is. We're thankful for what is, but continuously stepping into the more. I want to invite you to join us in this mission, in this cause of saying, God, revival. I believe God is bringing revival to this city through us and through others. God is right now working, moving all across the nations and he's raising up churches who are like, the Holy Spirit is welcome. God, come and do it. Do it. Come. May we become revivalists that wherever we go, when tomorrow morning, when you walk into the office or the school or the hospital, you're not walking into that environment on your own. It is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's walking with you into that environment, changing your environment. Amen. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.